Good morning, everybody. Uh, let me say a word about, um, yeah, Ben. Where did Ben go? Did he take, took him? Oh, there he is. Thank you, Ben. Uh, thanks for reading the text and for, for praying. Um, we have like, we have some, well, God is at work in so many different ways, but I just want to highlight um, real quick how God is at work through, through young men in the congregation. You know, Ben and Josh, Josh Ice, who um, leads youth ministry, they've been meeting together, uh, just like walking toward Jesus together um, in some really intentional ways over the last number of years. And there's just a ton of fruit of that, that, you know, when you abide with Jesus, like there's fruit that, that grows in our life. And so um, just celebrate that of, of the young, young guys who are, are just really intentionally seeking after Jesus. And one of the cool things is that next Sunday, you're going to get to hear from Josh. So Josh Ice is going to, going to preach next Sunday. We're going to be gone, uh, Carmen and I, for the next, uh, in our family for the next two weekends. Uh, so we will be bummed to not be with you. On Sunday, but just like Jay said, like we have, uh, LifeBridge is this wonderful place where where people get to use their gifts and explore gifts and calling. And so this will be Josh's first sermon. Um, and so pray for him this week that God would speak a word to him, um, and support him, encourage him. Um, it'd be wonderful. And then the following Sunday, so next Sunday, Josh will be uh, preaching. And then the following Sunday will be Dorothy's daughter, Sheila, and her husband, Joel, who have been serving uh, overseas for years, will be here sharing and just talking about what God is doing um, in, in the world where they have been experiencing life together. So that'll be cool over the next couple couple of weeks. So this morning, Matthew Matthew 8... Verses 23 to 27. I don't know if you were able to, to catch that. It's this, this amazing story, right, of, of Jesus um, doing amazing things, calming a stormy sea. Now, if you know this story, right, um, and like all these stories that we've been covering over the last couple of weeks in Matthew 8, they're really simple to understand, Right? Like you read a story like this, and, and on the surface, it is just, it is simple and, and beautiful, and they're so easy to grasp. Like, is Jesus a good guy? If this is the first story you ever heard about Jesus, is Jesus a good guy or a bad guy? Good guy, right? Is Jesus weak or powerful? Powerful, like incredibly powerful. Are you drawn to Jesus or repelled by Jesus? Like, drawn to him, right? Like, you want to be close to, to him. And so, like, on, on one hand, it's like, wow, these stories are so profound and so beautiful and so simple that we, we read them, and it, it inspires us. And, and I think that's, that's the purpose, right? The, the purpose of Matthew writing and telling us these just story after story of how awesome Jesus is, is it's leading us to put our trust in him. Like, so wherever, whatever your life circumstances are right now, and I know we all have different things going on and different challenges in front of us, and the invitation is very simple. It's just, what does it look like for you to trust Jesus today? Like, with, with whatever the circumstances, whatever complexity you're facing in life, what would it look like for you not to just trust him, but to entrust him with your whole life? That's what, that's what Matthew's getting at here. Um, to just put your whole self into his capable hands because he's trustworthy. Now, if somebody looks at you and says, trust me, I got this. 
what like determines whether you trust them or not? How much confidence they have? Right? If somebody looks at you and says, no, trust me. Like, so, hey, you're waiting for a ride. Somebody's going to like, hey, uh, you, your friend is going gonna, is gonna to pick you up. And um, they're going to give you a ride to this event. And, and you know, like, uh, this friend has trouble getting insurance. Because they have more speeding tickets than they can count. And have been in more accidents than they can remember. And so they, they pull into your driveway, you know, to pick you up. And you notice that they're texting while they pull into your driveway. And they just kind of, like, subtly bump into your mailbox. And then you, you look around their car, and like every inch of their car has some kind of story to tell. And they're like, oh, no, it'll be fine. Like, get in. Trust me. Do you trust this person? Right? No, it'll be fine. Like, you know what? It's a great day for a walk. I'll just, I'll just walk. And so, like, if somebody says, trust me, hopefully we do some evaluation to say, is this person trustworthy or not? Do they have a track record that is, can they be trusted? Can I entrust myself to them, and sometimes the answer is no, but with Jesus, the answer is always yes. Like, he is trustworthy. And so, that is like the, the very simple, like, surface-level meaning, and I hope you feel that today, and we'll, we'll talk more about that. But here's one of the cool things about the Bible. The Bible is so cool and so beautiful, is that you can read the story, and, and you can be invited to trust Jesus, and I hope you do. But then, as we've been looking at it over the next, the last few weeks, is like, when you start to actually look a little bit deeper, it, it's like one of those, you remember those, like, the magic eye 3D images, where it's like you look at something, like, close enough, long enough, and you get this, like, 3D image that comes out at you. Like, when you start to unpack the Bible and you look, like, behind the scenes a little bit, it gets even more beautiful. It gets even more colorful and more vivid. It's like if you were... Um, if you drive to the mountains, um, Hayes said he's going to be driving out to the mountains. Uh, are you driving or flying? Okay, so let's pretend he was driving to go see his family in Wyoming. And, and you, you drive, and you get the first glimpse of the Rocky Mountains, right? Have you seen the Rocky Mountains? And you see, like, the first, like, images of the mountains that sort of come into view um, after those long drives through the boring central plains. We have some friends from Kansas here this morning, a little Kansas rip, right? And, and you see the mountains, and it's like, ah, oh, paradise. And you were like, wow, there are the Rocky Mountains. Whoop, let's go home, right? Have you seen the Rocky Mountains? Yes, those are the Rocky Mountains. But what you're seeing is just a glimpse of the Rocky Mountains. You could drive, like, through the front range, and you could experience, like, all the beauty. And that's how the Bible is. It's like you get a glimpse of, like, the front range. It's like, wow, this is awesome. But then you start to dig deeper, and you're like, it's, it's even more beautiful than I imagine. And that is what the Bible does. Like, you could walk with Jesus. You could study the scriptures for the rest of your life and never even begin to, like, scratch the surface of all that God is. And so, let's explore the mountains just a little bit. So, the disciples um, says this. It says, so Jesus got into a boat and his disciples followed him. What are disciples supposed to do? Follow Jesus, like, right? It's, they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. Jesus gets in the boat. We're getting in the boat. We're going to follow Jesus. Now, if you jump up a couple of verses, um, just it's probably on the same page there. Verse 18, it says, when, when Jesus saw the crowds around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. So Jesus gets in the boat a couple of verses later, and they're going to the other side of the lake. 
the lake. Now, what you don't hear is like the collective gasp that would have come from his disciples when he said that. Hey, guys, we're going to the other side of the lake. Get in the boat. Now, the lake is, the uh, image here is the Lake of Galilee, or the, sometimes called the Sea of Galilee. It's not really a sea. It is a lake, sometimes called the Lake of Tiberias. And so here they were. They were in Capernaum. Uh, they're kind of on the northwest side, and they're going across the lake to the other side of the lake to this region called the Decapolis, or the Ten Cities. Um, Gadara there. And... Every Jewish boy who grew up in Capernaum, who grew up in that area, all of Jesus' disciples would have grown up learning about the other side of the lake. And all of their mothers would have told them, don't you dare go to the other side of the lake. Anybody have moms who, are, who did that? Like, don't you dare go to that part of town or go to the other side of the track, whatever it was, right? The other side of the lake. Why not? Well, what was going on, on the other side of the lake? The other side of the lake was like this. It was called the Ten Cities, and the Romans had come in, and they had established these ten cities, and they were full of, like, pagan religion and Roman, like, bathhouses where there were all kind of sketchy things going on. And, um, and there were just, like, these kind of dark pagan influences on the other side of the lake. And so like all these Jewish fishermen who spent their time on the Sea of Galilee would have had their mom's voice ringing in their ear. They say, don't you go to the other side of the lake. And along comes Jesus and he says, hey, fellas, get in the boat. Where are we going? The other side of the lake. What? And so the disciples, they follow him, like credit to the disciples. They're, they're, they're doing what they're supposed to do. All right, Jesus, we trust you. We're getting in the boat. We're going to the other side of the lake. How many of you know Jesus will sometimes lead you beyond where you're comfortable? Has that ever happened in your life? Where it's like, hey, I'm pretty comfortable in this area, like this part of my life. This feels good. And then Jesus all of a sudden opens the door and says, but I, I want you to like, I want you to go there. And, but I'm not comfortable there. I don't know what that's like over there. And, and, and Jesus, he will often lead us to places where we aren't comfortable. And do you know, and this might be, this might be harsh. It might sound harsh, but it's not. Your comfort is not his primary concern. Let me say that again. Like Jesus's primary concern is not your comfort or my comfort. Is that shocking to anybody? Do you know what is? Our transformation, like our, our character. Like, this is what Jesus cares about. Um, and as a parent, as a parent, um, like, our primary concern is not our child's comfort. Comfort is wonderful, and we try to make our kids comfortable. But, like, their growth is our concern, our, their maturity. Like, our goal as a parent is to help our kids be mature and complete and, and, and learn to trust and follow Jesus. And so, like, for, for us, I, I try, and I don't often do this. I mean, I, like, I, I slip up. But I very seldom ask my kids, hey, did you like this thing? Like, whatever it is, the new thing or whatever, like, did, did you like this? Because I really don't care if they liked it or not. To be honest, like, I don't care if they liked it or not. Do you know what I care about? It's like, did you experience God in this? Did you, like, how are you being challenged? How are you growing? Like, what are you learning? Like, those kinds of things. And I think, like, for us to, to recognize that Jesus, he loves us. And he wants good for us, but our comfort is not his primary concern. And we grow when we're challenged. In every part of our life, we grow when we are outside of our area of comfort and we grow when we're, we're challenged. 
So Jesus said, hey guys, get in the boat. We're going to the other side of the lake. And they do it. They get in the boat and they go to the other side of the lake because you know where the safest place is to be? It's with Jesus. I mean, what bad can happen to you when you're with Jesus, when you're following him right? Next verse. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake and the waves swept over the boat. All right, at least we're with Jesus here. We're in the boat. Did I scare somebody when I did that? I, right? It's like, Jesus, nothing bad is ever going to happen to us when we're Jesus. And then you just read the next verse, and these poor Jewish disciples, they, they're like, here we go. We're taking a risk. We're following Jesus. And now, what kind of storm came up on the lake? Furious. It's angry, right? It's like this furious storm that sweeps over the lake, and waves are like crashing in over this little boat that they're in. This furious storm. Now, the Sea of Galilee, something interesting about it is it's actually 690 feet below sea level. It's the lowest freshwater lake in the world. And it's surrounded by mountains on either side. And so you get these breezes that come in from the Mediterranean Sea, and they can like sweep in over the mountains and they just like churn the water up. Like all of a sudden, out of nowhere, storms can kick up on the Sea of Galilee and cause big problems. Now, if you're one of these disciples, what are you thinking about now? wait, what? Like, this isn't supposed to happen. There aren't supposed to be storms when you're with Jesus, right? Jesus is going to lead you around the storms. That's the deal. Right? I mean, other people might have storms, people who don't follow Jesus, but people who follow Jesus, like, he's going to lead you around the storms. It's how you know you're with him, right? It's like you don't face storms. Do you catch... We don't know each other all that well, but you, you do catch the, like, little bit of sarcasm. There you go. It's one of my spiritual gifts is sarcasm. <laughs> See, there can be this message that we, that we have heard, and the message is like this. You know what? Um, all you have to do is trust Jesus, and your life is going to be great. Have you heard that message? Everything's going to be up and to the right. It's going to be positive and encouraging. Sunny skies. You'll never drop the windows. Right? It's going to be good. You know what? My life was a wreck. And then I met Jesus, and I surrendered my life to Jesus, and it is smooth sailing from here on out. Have you heard that message before? There were storms. I surrendered, and now it's smooth sailing. That's the message so many of us have, have heard and we've internalized. And, and that is not the message these disciples are living. That is not their story. Right? They are with Jesus. They have surrendered to Jesus. They've given up everything to follow him. They've said, yes, Jesus will follow you to the risky place, to the other side of the lake. And on the way, they face a furious storm. That messes with us a little bit. But this is, it shouldn't surprise us. I mean, this is... Exactly what Jesus says. Jesus actually talked about storms just one chapter earlier. Do you remember this? Like at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon the world has ever seen, Jesus ends it by talking about storms. And here's what he says. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains came, the streams rose, the winds blew, beat against that house, and yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears the words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. 
So here, like Jesus is talking about like there's somebody who obeys his teachings, who like follows him, puts his teachings into practice, and somebody who doesn't. And what's the difference between the two? He doesn't say one is going to face storms and the storms are going to go around the faithful disciple. Right? Just, you know, storms are going to go around you. He says they're both going to face the same storms, the same winds, the same rains, the same streams that are rising. The difference is when the storms come, your house will not crash. Right? The, the difference is, like, with, with Jesus at the center of our life, it doesn't mean we won't follow or we, we won't face the storms. It means that we won't be crushed by the storms. Like, that our life won't fall apart because of the storms. Jesus said again in Matthew 16, verse 33, he told his disciples, he said, I've told you these things so that in me you'll have peace. Understand this. In the world, there's going to be trouble. In the world, like where we all live, you will have trouble. But take heart. I've overcome the world. And I think this is so important. The message of Jesus is not... I had the storms, I surrendered to Jesus, and now it's smooth sailing. The message that Jesus offers is like, wow, there are storms in this world. Surrender to Jesus. Follow him. Trust him. Like, entrust your whole self to him. Put his teachings into practice in your life, and you're going to face more storms. And when you face those storms, you will have the sustaining peace of Jesus with you, that he is in you, within you, and with you. And, and you can, like, the, the windows are going to fall, and they're going to break, and, you know, like... Lyme's disease is going to happen, and, um, and loss is going to happen in this life. There will be storms. Jesus promised that. Like, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. You will never face a storm alone. This is, I, I think this is such an important message because, like, after almost 20 years of pastoral ministry, I have watched people, like, put their faith in Jesus, and they, like, you know, the, the like flame is like burning hot. Like, man, I surrender my life to Jesus. And then they face storms. And storms can come up out of nowhere. Right? Life is good. It's a sunny day. Boom, there's a storm. And when they face a storm, because of the message that they've internalized that, no, 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 it's smooth sailing. That's the deal. They, they walk away from Jesus completely. And it's so painful to see because that's never what Jesus promised. Jesus never promised that it's going to be smooth sailing. He promised that he will be with us through it all. How are we doing? Yeah, I think, I, think this is, I think this is really important. I'm not going to take time to read these texts, but if you want to hear about, I mean, was there anybody more faithful to the mission of Jesus than the Apostle Paul? I mean, gave his life to just plant churches and stuff. Read 2 Corinthians sometimes. Like 2 Corinthians 4, he's just like, okay, I got to read it. Okay, here, here's the Apostle Paul, and he's writing to the church in Corinth, and he's like, hey, we're hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed, perplexed but we're not in despair. We're persecuted. Like people are hunting us down, but we are not abandoned. God is with us. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. Like our house isn't being crushed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our bodies. This is what he says. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that, in, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal bodies. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work all the more. Next slide. Therefore we do not lose heart, though we outwardly were wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. I mean, here's Paul not saying like... 
Paul's like, he's been shipwrecked, he's been beaten. Okay, I'm just going to read it. I said I wasn't going to read it. I, I'm going to read it. First, 2 Corinthians 11, verse, uh, sites 12 and 13 there, Anthony. Three, here's what he recounts his life. He says, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst, and I've often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. This is the Apostle Paul, like somebody who's so faithfully following Jesus. And he faced all of those storms. And yet, he's like, man, we're persecuted, we're crushed, but we're not destroyed. Like the house, my house, my life is not destroyed. I'm being renewed inwardly and, and becoming new because Jesus is with me. So let's, let's like hear the message that Jesus is actually saying. Not, not a false message that we internalize from the world around us. So back to our text. So suddenly this furious storm comes up on the lake. So the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was, and what did the, what does the text say? What's Jesus doing in the middle of the storm? Sleeping. Furious storm, Jesus is sleeping. The disciples went and woke him up and said, Lord, save us. We are going to drown. Or some texts say we're going to perish. Jesus, like, you got to wake up because we're, we're dying here right? We're going to drown. Jesus is at sleep. He is just like at perfect peace. One, like he's exhausted from the ministry that he's been doing, and he's just sleeping in this furious storm. Now, the disciples wake him up, and they say, like, Jesus, you got to do something because we're, we're dead. Like, we're going to drown. I mean, desperate. They can't help themselves out in the middle of this, out in the middle of the lake. What did they expect Jesus to do? Do you ever ask that question? Like, what do you think they thought Jesus was going to do when they woke him up? I don't think, I always read this, like, they just knew Jesus is going to calm the storm. But what's their reaction after he does it? They're shocked. What kind of guy is this? And even the winds and the waves will be. I don't think they could comprehend that he could calm the storm. I think it shocked them. What did they expect him to do? Like, pitch in, Jesus. Like, start bailing water. Like, start rowing for shore. Did they expect him, um, you know, to, like, somehow, somehow pitch in? Now, hang with me here, because this is, this is so profound. Is there another story in the Bible about a boat that was in a furious storm, and there's somebody asleep in the boat in the middle of the storm? Those of you who know the Old Testament... Is there any Old Testament story you can think of? Shout it out if you know it. Jonah. Do you guys know the story of Jonah? Right? Jonah's running from God, and um, this big storm comes up on the boat that he's in, and Jonah, everybody's like, you know, kind of freaking out, and there's Jonah, this prophet of God, who's asleep in the bottom of the boat. Now, if you go to this story in the Old Testament, prophet of Jonah, here's what it says, verses 5 and 6. I think this sheds light on what the disciples were expecting of Jesus. Here's Jonah um, chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. It says, All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. Right? So these are, these are not Jewish people. They're not followers of Yahweh. So they are crying out to their own God. And they threw cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. 
But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. Now the captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. So they wake Jonah up, the prophet of God, and they say, like, how can you sleep? Wake up and pray to your God because maybe your God can do something about this. That's Jonah. Now, I think Matthew, the way he tells the story, is meant to make us think of Jonah. That when the disciples are in this furious storm, they're, they're, they think they're going to drown. Jesus is asleep in the boat. It's like they remember Jonah, and they're like, Jesus, wake up. Pray to your God. Like, pray to your Father. We've heard you pray, and you have this special relationship with your Father. Like, pray to, to, to God, because he, maybe he can save us. I think that's what Matthew intends us to think about the story. They wake Jesus up to pray. But what does Jesus do? It says this. It says, then he got up and he rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. Does Jesus pray? No. He answers their prayer. Do you see that? Like, they expect him, I think, to, to get up. Like, Jesus, get up and pray to, to your Father. And Jesus gets up, and he rebukes the wind and the waves. He answers their prayers. Lord, save us. We're going to drown. See, then, like Jesus, he speaks to the winds and the waves. He has authority over the winds and the waves. And they are, they are calm. And, and then it says, and the men were amazed, and they asked, what kind of man is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? They, they, they were completely shocked that Jesus, you can do weather, right? Like, you can do stormy seas? Are you kidding me? They weren't expecting this. They were shocked. They were amazed at it. And I think what Matthew wants us to see here is that while the disciples were expecting him to pray to his God, just like, he, you know, he's another prophet, just like Jonah. He's not another prophet like Jonah. He's God in flesh, and they hadn't connected those dots yet. He answers their prayers that Jesus is not just another miracle worker. He's not just a good teacher. He's not just a healer. He's not just a wise sage. That Jesus is God who has come to save us in person, in the flesh. He is God in flesh. And while they had realized he was a great man who had great power, they hadn't yet fully realized that he was indeed God. But you and I are invited to connect those dots. This is so powerful when we, when we see this as it really is. So how does, this, how does this story, as we start to see it, like in all of its color, in all of its beauty, how does it inspire us today to be more faithful to Jesus, to follow him, to trust him more deeply? Do you have boundaries like, these disciples had boundaries in their life where they felt like, okay, Jesus, he can work here, but I'm not so sure about that. I mean, the disciples had seen him do amazing things. They, they saw him heal people with, like, a word or a touch. Jesus, no problem. He can do that stuff. They've seen him cleanse out, you know, evil spirits. Yep, Jesus can do that. No problem. Calming a storm? I don't, I don't know about that. Like, that was kind of outside of their boundary. Do you, do you have boundaries like that? Hey, when these things come up in my life, I'll pray about these things. You know, I'll pray in church on a Sunday morning. You know, we've got some health issues or whatever it is. Like, I'll pray about those things because Jesus can handle that stuff. But then I've got this whole other part of my life that's just like, I'll just, I'll take care of that stuff. Right? I've got my work life over here. And I probably know more than Jesus does about my work life. 
Do you, do you ever feel that way? I'll be honest, I feel that way. Like, that it's like, well, I, why would I pray about, like, work? Or this situation in my life, like our, our finances, or, you know, um, friendships, or like relationships that are hard. Like, why would I pray about that stuff? Because, like, I'll pray about these kinds of things, but I'll just kind of handle this stuff. Do you have parts of your life like that? Why would I pray about school? Why would I pray about um, the, the, just like the, what seem like the ordinary struggles of life? And I think, I think this is the invitation. One of the invitations in this text is to believe that Jesus is more than you think he is. He's more than you think he is. Whatever you think he is, whatever your idea of Jesus, however high opinion you have of Jesus, I can promise you it's too small. That Jesus is more than you think he is. That he is more capable than you give him credit for. And Jesus knows more than you think he does. Like, there's this beautiful passage at the end of the Gospel of Matthew where Jesus says to his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. How much authority has been given to Jesus? All of it. Like, there's, there's no authority that hasn't been given to Jesus. And so he says, okay, go, make disciples of all nations. If that's true, if Jesus has all authority in all heaven and all earth, then it is, it is absolutely certain that he knows more about anything in our lives than we do. He knows more about it. Yeah, he knows more about our work than we do. Whatever how specialized your skills are, whatever you're studying, whatever you're learning, he knows more about it than you do. I mean, let that sink in for a second. These are, these are fishermen who've been on the sea, and they know fishing, and Jesus shows up, and he's like, I think I know more about fishing than you know. Like, I don't know that you do, Jesus, and then he just blows them away. Jesus knows more about your work than you do, and he knows more about finances than you do, and he knows more about friendships, and he knows more about health. It can be shocking when all of a sudden we realize that Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth, and that he knows more than we do about everything, and that means we can trust him with everything. Is there a part of your life that you are not trusting Jesus with? And how might Jesus be inviting you to trust him? Where you're just like, no, 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 I'll handle this. And Jesus is like, you can, but it's... It's going to be hard. Like, storms are going to come, and, and you're just going to be doing that on your own. Is there a part of your life where it's just like, man, I, I need to trust Jesus more? This is blowing me away. I'm, for the first time in my life, I'm bivocational. I've I, you know, been a pastor for a long time, and I was a plumber before that, and um, numerous other things before that. And, and, and so I, I've gotten comfortable. Like, my boundaries are, like, in the church, right? And, and I'm comfortable, like you know, ministering to other people and, and people, not everybody works in the church world, so they, everybody, you've got your own jobs and praying for you and blessing you and helping you see God in, in your environments. But I've, I haven't been in the marketplace for a long time, like in that world. And all of a sudden, like for the last like five, six months, I've been like doing this like property management job. And it's been like kind of mind-blowing. I feel like some of the disciples here is like, wait a second, Jesus, like you do like, you do property management too? Like, you care about this, like, tenant that is moving out, and I really have no clue what's going to happen here, and it's a little scary to me, and I don't have categories to trust you in this because I've never had to trust you in this before, and, like, to grow in that, to say, like, Jesus, I'm just going to trust you with this, and I'm going to, like, I'm going to pray about this, and I'm going to believe that you know more about this than I do, and so help me to make the right connections, and, and, and I'm going to trust you. And you know what? Like, I've seen Jesus show up in that world where I didn't expect him to. 
And it's, my faith is growing in that. Like, so when I say there is, there is nothing in your life that you know more than Jesus about, I'm sure that didn't come out proper English, but I think you get it. Do you believe that? I think the invitation today is just to try. He can do storms. Like, he can do winds and waves. He can do whatever your situation is, that Jesus is more, that he can do more, that he knows more, that you can trust him with everything. Are you, whatever storm you're facing right now, like, whatever it looks like, in your life, I think the invitation for us today is just it is to believe and to see that Jesus is with you in it. That he's with you. In this world, you're going to have trouble. But take heart. He has overcome the world. He is with you. You are not alone. You are not abandoned. And, and when you trust him and follow him, your house will not crumble in the storm. Like, it, it might be painful, it might be difficult, but your house will not crumble. And that's what the church family is for, is to, is like, to remind, like, there, there are some times where it's just like, I don't know that I can hold on anymore. Like, I need somebody else to, to come with me and to remind me that Jesus is with me. Because, man, I can't sense it, I can't see it. And that's the beauty of a church family, is like, you're, you're not alone, and there are people around you who love you, and who are with you, and who walk with you, and who will remind you, man, Jesus is with you in this. He's with you in it. So, let's just pray. And, and um, whatever, whatever it is that you need from Jesus, wherever you need to trust him today, just like open your heart and let him, let him into that place. What's going to take, I'm going to take like just 20 seconds, just a stillness of silence. Jesus, you know the storms that each one of us are facing, the, the places where we're challenged, where we're being stretched beyond what we feel like we're able to, um, to bear. And we hear your invitation to trust you, to press in, to lean in, to see you with us, to trust that we are not abandoned, that you are with us even in the middle of this storm. So I, I pray for, uh, for each and every one of us. Again, I pray for my brothers and sisters. Lord, that only you know exactly what they're feeling, what they're facing, what they're thinking today. And just I pray that you would show up in a powerful way, that you would make your presence known, that Jesus, you are right there. You are right there. You are not far away. I pray that you would increase our faith, that we would trust you and entrust our whole lives to you. We would put our whole selves in your capable hands. God, if there are ways that we can be a blessing to each other as, as a spiritual family, God, maybe there are some who, who just need to ask for help, who are, who are trying to go it alone and, and face it all by themselves and just need to, like, humble ourselves to ask for help. God, would you give us courage to do that? Just to, to, to say, I, I need somebody. And that we would lean in and be your hands and feet to one another. And we love you. Jesus, you're awesome. You are more. You know more. You, you have all authority in heaven and earth. And that's why we're here. Because we, we love you. And we follow you. And we say, we'll get into the boat wherever you're leading. Jesus, our answer to you is yes. No matter what your question is. Because we trust you. 
So, Jesus, we're, we're yours. Have your will, have your way. Use us in whatever ways, um, whatever ways you desire. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.